became the CEO of a large company in his area. And he and his wife were driving down the road in his brand new luxury car that he had just bought with his bonus. And they were so excited. And, and they pulled into it, going out for a good night on the town to celebrate. And, and, and he pulled into a gas station to fill up. And his wife said, I'm going to go inside and get something to drink, and I'll be right back. And I said, okay. So he, he uh, pumped his gas and everything and waited in the car and waited for her. And she never came. And she never came. And she, she was still in there. And so he's like, well, I don't want to be a jerk, but I'm going to have to go in there and go get her. So he went inside and, and walked into the convenience store part of the gas station. And she was sitting there talking with the convenience store guy behind the counter, the clerk behind the counter. And they were just laughing and, 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 and just talking and, and looked like they knew each other. And he was a little disturbed by it. And so he said, well, okay, well, hey, honey, we got to go. Let's go. And she's like, okay, and told the man by. And they got in the car. And so he started the car. And they were driving down the road. And he finally said, to her, he said, oh, now, did you know that guy in there in the gas station? Did you know him? And she said, yeah, it's a funny story. You know, before we met years ago, we dated in high school. And he's like, oh, okay. And so he was thinking about that, and he continued to drive down the road, and he kind of started, he was confused, and then he started thinking about things in his life and started thinking about the guy in the gas station in his life, and he started smiling, had a smile on his face, and looked at her, and she kind of had a smile on her face, and and he said, well, no, what are you thinking about? And she got a right answer. said, no, I think I know, I know what you're thinking about. He said, if you had married that man instead of me, uh, your husband would be working at a gas station. I wouldn't be CEO. She said, actually, no, I was thinking about how if I had married him and not you, you'd be working at a gas station. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a lot of truth in that statement if you've been married and you have a, a sex, successful life on some level, and your partner has pushed you. I know I was thinking today is actually my 17th wedding anniversary, me and Emily, and been married 17 years. Just incidentally with this, and I was thinking, uh, we've been together about 20 years, started dating, and, and we were dating. Um, I know for a fact that I might not have graduated college if I wasn't dating my wife at the time. She helped me, for real, graduate college and kind of get back together and get motivated and... Uh, and, you know, I might not be here today if, uh, if God didn't put her in my life. And so it's something to think about. We, a lot of times we think about uh, achievements we make, and we, we want to give ourselves credit. And many times there's a lot of people in our lives helping us. A lot of times people in our life who, whether it's a spouse or a parent or a friend, who actually do help us uh, achieve things. And so, and just like in our successful lives where people help us, we often forget, I think, as Christians, that we are here today as, if you know Jesus, as a, as a believer in Christ, if you are a Christian, you are here today, not because of what you've accomplished on your own or what you've done, but because Jesus did everything for you. He accomplished it all. He didn't just work to put you through college, or he didn't just encourage you or pat you on the back or anything like that. He did everything for you. So today we're talking about the fact that our salvation is completely grace. We're in Galatians chapter 1, starting in verse 11. Paul says, For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not, not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. 
And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my own people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus, verse 18. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. In what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy, and they glorified God because of me. Heavenly Father, as we meet together and here today to glorify you, because of people like Paul, because of apostles and ministers and, and servants of you who have done so much to spread your gospel, that we are here today, if we know Jesus, if we are believers today, we are here today because of your grace. Our salvation is because of people you have put in our life, people who've told us the gospel, who've shown it to us, who have brought us to church, who have taken time out of their day to do something for us. We do not achieve it on our own. We achieve it through the help of others and ultimately through you, and that is grace, Lord. So, Father, as we continue to worship today, and as we look at this passage, that every word spoken today in this passage, and that my words are your words today, Father, and Lord, that we would know, Lord, what it is you've asked us to do as we continue to live in grace. In Jesus' name, we ask these things. Amen. Today, I, I want to give you three truths today about your salvation being an act of God's grace. I want to give you three truths today about your salvation being an act of God's grace. Number one, first of all, we see that hearing the gospel is an act of God's grace. Hearing the gospel is an act of God's grace. We don't think about many times how just merely receiving the gospel, just merely hearing the gospel is an act of God's grace. Let's look at verse 11. It says, For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel, for I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. That's what the gospel is. It is a revealing of the truth of God to us. Now, it says here that it's not man's gospel. What is a man gospel? What is a, a man's gospel? What's he talking about? Well, the human heart is always inventing gospels. Mankind is always creating good newses and good words and, and things like that are gospels, but they really aren't the good news. We have them all today. Uh, we've had them in America. We've had them in the world. We will always have them in the world until Jesus comes back. And they all tell us different things. And most of it uh, tells us if we do something or believe in something or someone, uh, then we will achieve something. And it doesn't always come about. It always disappoints us. Some listen to the gospel today that, that tells them that they will always prosper. 
No matter what they do, they will always prosper. They'll never have any hardships. They'll, they'll always succeed, and they, they believe in that gospel. Some listen to the gospel today that says that it's really all about me, and it's all about what I do and what I want. And if you just put yourself first in everything, then you always have success, and they listen to that false gospel as well. And then many of us are, are prone to listening to particular political gospels of this person or this party or this candidate. If we put all our hope in that person or that party or that candidate or that, or that movement or that cause, then we will be able to achieve what we want to achieve. And that is not always right either. All these forms of gospels have nothing to do with grace, nothing to do with grace. It's all about what we can do and what we can earn. They all say you must do something in order to be right with whatever it is you want to be right with. You're not prospering enough? Well, it's because you don't have enough faith or you don't pray enough or you don't do enough good things for God. If you just did a little bit more, you would prosper more. Or you're not doing well in life? Well, you just need to, to focus on yourself more and, 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 and cut people out of your life and just be all about who you are and then you will succeed. Or do you want all your problems to stop? Well, you just need to get behind this particular cause or political group or a candidate or person, and all your problems will go away. And these man-centered gospels offer no grace whatsoever. No grace whatsoever. We, now, we can feel free to follow these gospels but we'll receive no grace, and we will only encounter disappointment. Whereas God's gospel, there's never disappointment in the gospel. There's never disappointment in Jesus. There's never disappointment in the grace that God gives us each and every day to follow him. He never disappoints. The gospel is grace, and hearing it is an act of grace. Just the fact that we can hear it, the fact that you can come in here today or watch online or on TV and hear the gospel preached is grace because there are people who cannot even hear it today, who are in closed countries and parts of the world where they cannot, they don't even have access to the life-saving message of Jesus Christ. And if you are here today, you were the recipient of grace as someone in your life probably beforehand has told you about Jesus. Maybe you were born in a household of Christians. That's grace. There's many Christians who were born in non-Christian households never heard about Jesus Christ. And they heard about some other well, some way in their life, but they did not hear about it as a child like maybe you did. Maybe a parent told you about Christ, a mother or father. Maybe it was a grandparent who brought you to church or told you about Jesus. Maybe it was a Sunday school teacher who first told you about what Christ has done. Maybe it was a preacher who first impressed upon your heart what Christ has done for you. Maybe it was a cousin or a best friend or a coworker. Don't know who it was, but whoever first told you the gospel of, of grace, the gospel of Christ, did so. Just hearing that is an act of grace. You are a recipient of that. I know I didn't ask my, my, my parents as a, as a little child when I was real little, three, four, five, to read me the Bible at night. I had no desire to, to read the Bible. They, they did it. They read it for me. Children's Pictures Bible took me to church. You know, I said this before. I had a drug problem at an early age. I was drugged to church every week. I didn't ask for any of that. They did it. That's, I was a recipient of that grace. And if you've heard the gospel, you are a recipient. There's nothing you did to earn that hearing. 
It's just an act of grace. Look at Romans 10, 14. Paul says, How then will they call upon him in whom they've not believed, and how are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? We like to use this a lot of times as a missionary verse for going to parts of the world where there's no gospel, uh, no gospel presence. But Paul in this passage here is referring to the Jews. He's referring to his own people. He says, uh, he says how are they going to hear without someone telling them? You know, you can't hear something without someone telling you, right? I mean, we can't read minds. You know, one thing I've learned in marriage after 17 years is my wife can't read my mind, and I can't read her mind. And communication, verbal communication, is extremely important. Amen? And even, and you should be more amening than that. I mean, come on now, right? But not just verbal communication, Really explaining what you mean by what you say is extremely important in any relationship. Without hearing, you can't have a relationship. You can't hear, you can't understand what is happening. That hearing is grace, and hearing the gospel is grace. So, but we, we understand maybe as a Christian, or if you're thinking about following Christ, you might have an idea of what it means to be a Christian, but just hearing it is an act of grace. Secondly, also, receiving the gospel is an act of grace. That's what a receipt, receiving something is. When you, this past Christmas, we gave gifts to people. Maybe some families mandate gift giving, but really, do you know that it is, it is voluntary? <laughs> giving gifts to other people is voluntary. Now, they might get mad with you if you don't give them something, but there's no law stating you have to give someone a Christmas present. Did you know that? They will not arrest you for not giving Christmas present to your spouse or your children or your wife. They, they, they won't do that. But it, it, it is a gift. Receiving means you, it's something that you don't have to do, that you've received. Right? And if you receive a gift that you don't like, you can, you can take it back. Did you know that? You might, not, you might have to wait in line, but you can take it back. But receiving the gospel is different. It's given to you. And you can choose to receive it. You can choose to ignore it. But even receiving it is an act of God's grace. See, every believer has a past. You know, we all have a past. It might be for you. It might be that you live most of your life as an unbeliever. And you had a tough life or did horrible things or did wicked things or just struggled in life. Then you received Jesus Christ. You were saved. And that was your past. Or maybe like me, you grew up in a Christian home and grew up in a church. But, but still at an early age, you came to Christ. There was still a time where, where you were not a Christian. No one is born a Christian. You can be born in a Christian family. You can literally be born in a church. I'm sure it's happened before. I was born in a Baptist hospital. It doesn't get any more Baptist than that. In downtown Columbia. You can be born a Baptist, but you can't be born a Christian. You have, at some point, you have to receive the gospel. You have to hear the gospel, then you have to receive it. And it is an act of God's grace. And before that happens, you have a past where all you really thought about was yourself. All you really wanted to do was yourself, or you felt like you needed to achieve something or do something. And then you realized that you needed Jesus Christ. Look at what he says in verse 13. Paul talks about his past a little bit here. 
is for you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. He didn't just have a, a difficult past. Paul's past was against the church, it was against Christians. He was violent with them. He wanted to murder them. If we were to put him in our current situation, and we knew of a someone that was trying to murder Christians and wanted to destroy them, we would call them uh, probably sick in the head at some level. We would call them a lunatic, unhinged, extremist. This was Paul before Christ. He wasn't just a bad guy. He was an extremist. Someone you would never would think would, would receive the gospel. He says in verse 14, And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people, so extremely zealous. He was passionate for this cause, and that cause was keeping the traditions of his fathers. He was going to do it, whatever it took. He didn't like this new way that had come out, this new Christianity, this new Jesus, and he saw his, his, his friends and his family members and other Jewish people turning to Jesus. He said, oh, no, I got to stop that. I'm going to stop this. I'm going to stop access to this Christ. I'm not going to have it happen Verse 15 tells us this, though. But when he who had set me apart before I was even born and who called me by his grace, when he was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, that being non-Jews, he said, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. See, Paul had a life path. He had a career path. He had life goals. When he was saved, all those goals literally had to be erased. His goal was to destroy Christians. Well, as a, as a Christian, you can't have that goal anymore. <laughs> That's not going to be productive, to destroy the church when you are now a part of the church. Everything he had been taught, everything he had worked for, everything, had to be changed. He was in direct opposition to God's church, yet through God's grace, God just stopped him right in his path. Just stopped him. Acts 9 talks more about it. Let's look at this real quick. Back then his name was Saul, and it said this, but Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest. He was threatening them with murder. He says, I, I will kill you. This is unhinged he was. And asked him, the high priest, for letters to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way, that is Christianity, men or women, he was going to bring them to Jerusalem bound. That was his goal. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Rise and enter the city, and you'll be told what you are to do. He didn't say, 
hey, Paul, this is Jesus. Would you like to invite me into your life? No. He said, Saul, it's Jesus. Get up and go to town. It's no, it wasn't optional. <laughs> Verse 7, the men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were open, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus, and for three days he was without sight, neither ate nor drank. This is Paul's calling. Many of us have heard the story many times, but it is a fascinating story. He's going one way with a goal, and just like that, he's struck down, and he's told, get up, go to Damascus, and wait to do what you're told. Sometimes people like Paul, who are hard-headed, need to kind of be slapped, woken up, the bright light, blinded temporarily. That's what happened to him. I remember my own calling into ministry. As I mentioned earlier, I was a college student. I was just a Christian, trying to figure out how to be a, a college student, how, how to be a Christian in college. I had many goals for my life, you know. I wanted to be successful in this and that, all these different things. Had a hard time making sure I would graduate because I, I enjoyed my work. I enjoyed my friends. I did not enjoy studying. I did not enjoy going to class. I liked my job and, and everything I wanted to do. As I was, felt God calling to ministry, I, I came to the realization. And my girlfriend at the time, who really helped me organize and, and get out of college in, in time, who's now my wife, I came to the realization that as God called me to the ministry, that I was going to have to rethink a little bit about how I lived, about things. I want to think about maybe where I went, things I did. And I didn't have a desire for, my desires were changing. It's just a thought process. My desires were changing, and I thought, I'm going to have to change things. I'm going to change who I hang out with, some, where I hang out with them, things like this. We're going to learn later that Paul spent three years before he came back to Jerusalem, where the center of the church was after this. Three years, he went off into the desert. And when I, when I graduated college, I went to three years of seminary on my own, right after college graduation. God prepared me intellectually through education, but also through spiritual formation. And when I graduated seminary, and I was married when we got out of seminary, uh, I was much different than when I went in. I remember I had a friend of mine in college when I was getting ready to leave. I'll never forget this. I told him I was going to be a pastor and going to seminary. He looked at me and he said, I can't see you doing that. That's a great friend, right? <laughs> I said, really? That's what I feel like. He's like, I can't see you doing that. And I don't know what he visualized a pastor was, but I know I was a lot different when I came out three years later, really three and a half years. Much different person when I entered but all that change was engineered by God's grace. It was all engineered by God's grace. God might not be calling you into some kind of full-time ministry, but it doesn't mean that he doesn't desire you to continue to become a different person as you receive the grace of God on a daily, a daily basis. You may not have three literal years in the desert, but you still might have a metaphorical desert experience where you're just trying to figure out, what do I need to change? What do I need to do in my life? And as you seek to follow Jesus, you'll have 
tough decisions to make in life. There might be relationship decisions. There might be job opportunities, spending, financial decisions. And these will take times of concentrated prayer so you can find out how God is leading you through his grace. I had a, a tough thing happen a month or two ago. And I'm bad about this. We all are, maybe at some points. And I'm good about praying for other people and praying for things. But sometimes I just feel like I can do a lot of things on my own. And I thought about this problem and all this. And I, just, I said, you know, I don't know what to do about that. <laughs> I don't know what to do. And I said, well, you know what? I should pray about it. <laughs> so, and this is something that I've, you know, dealt with and have always been able to figure out. I couldn't figure out. There was no answer. So I prayed to the Lord. I said, Lord, you're going to have to help me with this. You're going to have to show me what to do. Give me the answer. So about the next day or two, just in my head, popped the answer. Oh, it's so obvious, I just missed it. I'll just, basically, God said, hey, you keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> Should make some changes. I was like, that, that'll work. That'll work. That's how God speaks to us. We pray to him. Sometimes that answer might not come right away. But we ask him to lead us. Sometimes he reveals things to us. He opens up the doors for us. He tells us what to do. We, he puts thoughts in our mind and lets us understand things. So as you seek to follow Jesus, you'll have to take time for prayer to find out how God is going to lead you in grace, which takes us to number three, how living the gospel is an act of God's grace. Living this Christian life is an act of God's grace. See, everything else in life, we're told what to do, we're told the goal, and then we're told how to do it. Right? Here's what you have to do, here's what you have to accomplish, now go do it. Or here's who you need to be, this is how you do it. Well, there is some truth to that in, in Christianity. I mean, God's told us, read your word, pray, love others, forgive others, serve others. But if we do it without God's grace, it's not going to work. The Holy Spirit has to enable us, has to lead us, and we have to rely on God in doing these things. We have to rely on God in doing these things. So even the act of preaching is not just me getting up and telling you everything I've learned. It's relying that God will speak through me. You don't want just Charlie up here talking. I might give you a couple of tips, but it's not going to be that great. You want God speaking through me. Living the gospel is an act of God's grace. Look at verse 18. He says, After three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas, who was called Peter, and remained with him 15 days. Paul, who is ordinarily just, just a go-getter, get things done, he slowed down. He took his time. And he went. He met with Peter in Jerusalem. You know, we have this new dog that was given to us. <laughs> we also have another puppy. He's two years old. You've been seeing him and John David. got two puppies, a human puppy and, a, and another puppy. Anyway, it's a funny joke. You'll laugh about it later. But um, taking this dog for walks, 15, 20-minute walks, you know, she's very active. You know, and when we got the dog, I told the girls, I said, I'm not taking this dog out. I'm not going to take it out in the cold. I'm not going to take it out in the rain. Well, of course, I'm doing that, right? So I'm walking out in the cold, and I'm not outside a lot at night, usually. So I'm walking the dog out, and 
I put a timer on my, on my watch because I was like, you need to get 15, 20 minutes at least. So. And sometimes I'll just let the dog sniff around because it's good for dogs to do that, explore. I'll look up in the, in the sky and look at the stars. I'm like, oh, I've never noticed that before. I look at this tree, and I'll just see how the tree's leaning. I'm like, gosh, if, if there's really, if the wind blew, that would be pretty rough. And I'll think, I see things I just, that I, every day that I don't notice because I have time just to think, have time just to look around, not so be hurried, not be so rushed. Sometimes living the gospel is that, having the patience just to observe what's going on in your life, having the patience just to hear from the Lord, not being in such a hurry, treating like every day is a gift from God, not, not rushing from one task to the next. And truth be told, I started walking the dog so I could get out of the house of four children for a few minutes, right? Get a little break. Living the gospel is an act of God's grace. It's, it's, he enables us to live this way. Look at verse 19. He says, I, I saw none other of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother, and he says in verse 20, he's not lying. Apparently someone thought he was lying. And he said, I went to the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard it, they only heard it say this, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy, and they glorify God because of me. All these people knew about Paul was his former life. You know, whatever your reputation is, it takes a long time to get there. Whether it's a bad reputation or a good reputation, it takes a long time for that reputation to be entrenched. Paul had a reputation of being this destroyer of Christianity. He probably wasn't looking forward to just hopping into the Christian community. <laughs> These are people he tried to arrest to have murdered. Many people did not trust him. If someone that we knew personally who tried to destroy Christians came to the church we would probably call the cops. We would probably give them a restraining order. This is Paul. And he knew that God would be glorified because of how God was changing his life. It takes time to even become a new person in Christ. Even if you have a dramatic experience, salvation experience like Paul did, it still takes time for you to change. It takes time for all of us to change. Every day, each and every day, as we grow in the grace of God. This is all an act of grace. If you're 15, if you're 50, if you're 75, if you're 90, you're still changing. You're still growing in the grace of God, and you still should be more closer to Jesus today than you were even last year. It's a patience. It's a, it's, it's, it's a walk. Some people say the Christian life is a marathon. I think it's a walk, a long walk. Christianity is one of the things. It's not about what we can do, although we are called to do things and told to do things. It's about God working through us as we do those things. Famous Pastor D.L. Moody I was walking down a Chicago street one day, and Chicago back then was still a big city. He walked up to a man, and he asked him if he was a Christian. Can you imagine somebody 
coming up downtown Charleston or downtown Columbia where I used to work, walk up to you and just stop you on the street and say, are you a Christian? Even if I was, and I am, I would, I would probably take a little offense to it, right? Are you judging me or something? You know, I don't know. And he, and he walked to this guy and, and he says, he says uh, are you a Christian? And the guy raised his fists. He said, you mind your own business, <laughs> right? This is, this is why we don't evangelize a lot of times because we're scared of something like this happening to us. <laughs> Pastor Moody said, this is my business. And the man said, well then, you must be Moody. That was his name. He had heard of D.L. Moody. His reputation preceded him. As we grow in Christ's likeness, what kind of reputation are we, grow, are we, are we building? If we, came up to, if we came up to someone in public and they'd heard about us, would they be able to say, ah, oh, that's who that is? Or would they say, that's who that is? <laughs> For going in Christ, it'll be the former. We, and if you're saved, if you know Jesus, you're not saved to do your business. You're saved to do the king's business. It's one of the things you have to sort out as you follow Christ. Is this something I want? Is this something the Lord wants? And he will give you the grace to find that out. Not in your power, but in his power. Father God, as we close our time today, we thank you for this passage of scripture that you've given us. It shows us some of Paul's struggles. As a new believer, And as we continue to talk about grace each week and as we will in the future, that this concept that is known to many of us will become new to us. As we continue to hear from you about how we live in your grace, as we become more cognizant of what it means to, to be saved by grace, and as we live our lives for the kingdom and for your mission and your glory that by your grace you help us and you direct us and you enable us so that we're not doing things in our power but in your power. Father, as we sing back to you today our, our praises, that even our worship will be done in your power today. That it won't just be us singing to you today. It'll be you singing through us. As we leave here, as we interact with the world, as we turn on the television and surf our phones and go to work, that it's you living through us, helping us, enabling us, Lord. Father, there's one in here today that's never placed their faith in you, that's never received salvation, that they would do so today that you would save them from their sins and give them eternal life. You would spare them from your judgment. By your grace, you can do these things, Father. We love you, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.